0: Good morning, everybody, those far away and those closer to it. I want to share this morning, and if I had a title, it would be From Disappointment to Overflowing Joy and Hope. And I think that's the kind of journey that many of us have been traveling on or are still traveling on. And I want to share this morning. I'm passionate about the Christian calendar. And of course, everybody knows what today is. It's celebrated as Pentecost Sunday. So unsurprisingly, that's going to be the focus and the topic of this morning. As we look through the New Testament, there are two guiding lights. There are two scriptures that guide us through the whole of the New Testament. And both of them are spoken by Jesus. The first one in Matthew 24 and verse 14, when it says this, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then and only then will the end come. That's a very important Statement that Jesus made. And the other one, of course, is in Acts 1, verse 8, when Jesus said this You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be what? My witnesses, where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So these two verses are absolutely critical as we travel through the New Testament and certainly our lives as a church. Today I'm not going to talk about the kingdom, although we've mentioned the gospel of the kingdom. That will be done over the coming weeks. But the burden, of course, and the vision of the kingdom remains. This talks about entering the kingdom. It talks about proclaiming the kingdom. It talks about the transforming life now of the kingdom through the grace and faith that's in Jesus. It talks about embracing, running the race, holding on tenaciously to the not yet of the kingdom, that which is to come, because ultimately the triumph and victory is future. Our inheritance is ultimately future. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, if we want to mention The work and the Holy Spirit, we have to see it in its totality. The the difficulty or the danger is sometimes we come and we want just a little bit because of where I am and the need that I have. But if you look in John's Gospel, and we're not going to read it now, you can do that later, chapter 16 and verses 8 to 15, you will find a number of issues where it's talking about the Spirit of God. When he comes, he will convict of sin. So we need to embrace that part of it, okay? He will guide us into all truth. So truth is very important. Truth to the Holy Spirit is really important because he will guide us into that truth. He will tell you how life on this planet will conclude. He will show you the things that are to come. And it is to manifest, to make clear, to open our eyes, to bring new life through A new heart so that to display, exhibit, and demonstrate the kingdom of God is life here and now, in and through our world. This both individually, for me, so it's very much a personal thing, but it's also a corporate thing because we're part of one another. Right at the beginning, you and I need to understand that when we invite the Spirit of God to work afresh in our life, it's more than meeting one particular need. Okay, I think it was Emma Stark recently in one of the writings said this, that the Holy Spirit is not a bolt-on. An additional bit just for my need at this moment. It might be physical, it might be spiritual, it might be financial, it might be relational. Therefore, I want the Holy Spirit for this bit. And I think we've all been down that road, haven't we? When we've got a really deep personal need, of course, we want the Spirit of God to meet that need. That's natural. But he wants to do so much more. There is a breadth and a depth to the ministry of the Spirit of God that we need to understand and embrace. But when it comes to Pentecost Sunday, many of us may have a difficulty. I wonder how many times you've celebrated Pentecost and Pentecost Sunday. And somewhere at the back of your mind, it said, well, nothing much happened last year. So is it going to happen this year? Or if you look down through the years that you've celebrated and you've gone out of church and you think, well, it's all the same. Nothing's changed. That is an issue. That is a challenge that we all need to face and embrace this morning because that has potential. In all of us, you see, handling disappointment is absolutely crucial as to how we develop and grow as a person, as an individual, and as a church. Handling disappointment, and yet still having an open heart, still being on tiptoes, waiting to receive—that is a sign of maturity. But for many of us, if you look back through your life, and I look back through mine, when disappointment comes, it's a hmm. Isn't it? Rather than on tiptoes still. There waiting for God. That is the battle. That is the battle that we all face. And it's very relevant and personal to us. Disappointment and discouragement comes to all of us. At different levels. And of course we understand that despite the, the element where we're so thankful for what God has done, we're all too aware of our weaknesses, we're all too aware of our failures, our vulnerability, our incompleteness, where we mess up the self-pity, the self-condemnation, whatever it is that drags us down to feel disappointed in ourselves, and actually there's a rebound, disappointed in God. You see, woven through all of this, Satan has a goal and aim. His target is you dwell on disappointment and discouragement to the degree that you open yourself up to a whole lot of temptations. I was up in Battelle in Derby a couple of weeks ago and talking with the men there who've gone through and going through their drug rehabilitation issues one of the big difficulties is overcoming disappointment when they look back what a mess they've made is there any hope for tomorrow and that mess that yesterday those issues just plagued with them so high is there and can there be a day a breakthrough when I've been through this and this is the person I am now and thank God we begin to see the Spirit of God coming and doing something fresh in you. But discouragement can lead us to doubt God's goodness, His wisdom and His power. You see, when you begin to suffer or struggle with disappointment, Satan comes in two ways. If you're a leader and things are going well and things are really progressing, he will come to you as a roaring lion, giving the impression that his power is greater than the power that's within you. And when you're disappointed, you're on a downer, he will come as an angel of light, as a friend, appearing as a friend to be an encourager and a helper. And these two issues struggle the whole time. And he comes to downgrade the work of God and the work of Christ and convince us his day is over. That's what he tries to do. And you've experienced that personally. We've experienced it personally. We've experienced it corporately as a church over the years. We've been bombarded by the world, haven't we? Especially in the last few years. Do you mean to say you still believe in God? He is outdated. No longer relevant. That's what we hear. Look at the numbers in the churches today. It's evidence, isn't it? Just look, he can he's obviously out of touch. Do you mean to say you still believe in the ancient path? Surely, when you look at all these things going in the world today, there must be an up-to-date modern alternative to the ancient path. These are the areas that bombard us. These are the areas that come to us all the while to downgrade us. And of course, the personal thing is that he comes and speaks into you and mine. He says, do you believe, Roger? Roger? that I still love you and still with you? Do you really believe that that is the case? Just look in the mirror. You're not as spiritual as you thought you were. And so many issues come to us. You feel as if yesterday is the only thing that you can hold on to, and not today and tomorrow. You might as well join Bing, Cross, Bing Hope and France Sinatra in saying, thanks for the memories, because that's all you've got. These are the things that come to us time and time again, and especially in the times of disappointment and discouragement. You see, what encourages me through this? There are two things that I would think encourage me through this. Because when I look through the word of God, I see a discouraged people so often. But that's not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story. You can look through them and see so often. I mean, going right back through into the early days with Moses and the people in Egypt. Under that oppression, under that severe slavery This is not the life I wanted. This is not the life it was supposed to be. And then, of course, you come out of Egypt and you're facing the Red Sea and the armies after you and you're thinking the disappointment levels begin to rise again. How are we going to get through this? And having seen that miracle, then going through into Canaan, doing that survey into Canaan, everything looks fantastic, but just there's one problem. It's the size of the enemy. And discouragement begins to eat into our lives again. And you could follow that trend right the way through. Joshua, the Jordan, Jericho. We didn't sign up for this journey. You see, discouragement is written right the way through. That's why Psalms is often so much It it, it hits where we are. How often? Psalm 42, it says, three times in that short psalm. I feel discouraged. My tears have been my food day and night. I pour out my soul. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed? And these are the issues, and I believe this is the day, the challenge. Where do we go from here? It's the reality, the prosperity of the wicked, the arrogance out there, the wealth of the ungodly. Surely in vain I've kept my life pure. If you've been down that road, discouragement begins to set in. But you know, I believe discouragement brings us to the brink of breakthrough. And that's where we're coming to this morning. We need to face the discouragement. It does impact us. It does involve us. That personal element where we're not as spiritual as we thought we would. There are issues in our life that we struggle with. And the voices come. You're never going to change. There's never going to be a new day. There's never going to be a moment when you can see breakthrough and God bringing new life into your life again. You see, when you look through the scriptures, disappointment brings And this is why the Word of God is so important. It brings us through. It tells us how to travel from disappointment to breakthrough to overflowing joy and hope. And I tell you what, that's the journey worth traveling on, isn't it? That's the journey that you won't find out there. It's only through the Word of God and the Spirit of God working in and through you, doing something new, making something new of your life, of your situation I'm encouraged because Jesus knew what it was to face discouragement you look in Hebrews Hebrews uh, chapter 4 verse 14 to 16 and you find he he understood he says we can come to the throne of grace with all our discouragements this morning all the issues because he understands he's been through every single thing that we faced He is faced, and he's understanding. Don't let your hearts be ruled by what you see or feel, but be ruled by the promises of God. That is the way through. That is the opening that takes us out of discouragement and disappointment into a new day in the Spirit of God, in the life of God. Secondly, the point we need to understand is this. The promise to restore and to revive and to renew you and me often comes at this time of discouragement. But we praise God because there is nowhere in this word that you will find that because of... Because of who you are and because of the the mistakes you've made, that God will not revive and restore you. There is nothing in here that tells you, because of all that you've done and because of all you're feeling, there is no way forward for you. In fact, it's just the opposite. Because when you're down and I'm down and when we're struggling and when there doesn't seem a way forward, God says, there is a way. I will make a way where there seems to be no way. I will be that person to come alongside you and walk through that with you. There is nothing in the Word of God that says he cannot restore and revive you because of what you did yesterday and all the mistakes you made. That is such an encouragement. And yet so often we, we live under this umbrella of discouragement and disappointment, not realizing that God wants to break that open. And bring into your life and my life something new. The discouragement is not the unforgivable sin. And the reason I'm using this as an introduction is because through the Old Testament and the New Testament, on the brink of discouragement, God does something new. God breaks through. And that's what encourages me. When discouragement sets in, when temptation is to believe that God has forsaken you, when the hope of breakthrough seems most unlikely, when there's a subtle drift away from God, heaven is not silent. And even though you and I might not understand, heaven is active. That's why the prophetic word comes through time and time again when the people were struggling and they thought it was hopeless. We've got nothing to do but just to live as we did yesterday. God breaks through. There is a new day for you and for me. Heaven is not silent. The prophetic word God does something. Because we read in the the New Testament, Jesus loves his church, he died for his church, he's coming back for his church. The gates of hell will not stop the building of his church and the preparation and the completion of his church to receive him when he comes back again. Let me take two examples One from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. The times of discouragement that came to overflowing joy and hope. The first one we would know a little bit because having studied Nehemiah, we've had a lot longer to look at that section of the Old Testament. It's around Ezra, Haggai, and Zechariah. Just to fill you in briefly, the Israelites were returning from Jerusalem They were set out on a mission, firstly to rebuild the altar and then the temple. The work began and things were looking good. And then, of course, the opposition came. And Zerubbabel and his his mates tried to keep going, but there came a point where it seemed too much. They were discouraged. They were disillusioned. And in Ezra chapter 4, it says the work on the house of God stopped. And it would look and appear through that discouragement things had finished. But heaven was stirring, and the prophetic word was going to break through, and things were going to change. And God spoke to Haggai, and he came and brought the word to the people. And it wasn't always easy to listen to. He said, Your passion for God and mission has gone, it needs to be restored. There's been a buildup of debris as you've been caring for your own home and your own circumstances and you've put the work of God to one side so that debris has built up and it stopped the flow of oil and new wine from heaven. But he wasn't being critical. He was being loving because Haggai refused to put a sticking plaster over issues. He wanted them to be healed He wanted them to be renewed and revived in the work and the presence of God. And then Zerubbabel, the high priest, and the whole remnant, they responded when they heard this. And they said, It's true. We've been disappointed. We've been discouraged. And the work that God had for us, we put to one side. It's become a secondary issue rather than the primary issue. But we're going to change. We're going to restore that place where God becomes the number one person and the number one thing in my life. And they did that. And then God spoke through Haggai and He said, God is with you. I am is with you. And the word of God came to Zerubbabel. Zechariah spoke to it. He said, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Discouragement, disillusionment brings us to the brink where we cannot do anything, but then God speaks. It's not through it. It's the power of God in you, working in you that's going to bring that change in that new day. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. Can you imagine what a weight that left off Zerubbabel's shoulders? The thought that he had to try and do it. He had to try and help. He had to try and have the energy and the, the understanding, the ability. And God says, that's great. But you know, it's not through you, it's through me. It's a new day. Yesterday's failures do not disqualify you. Or me from today's new moment in God I want you to write that right in the center of your heart because that will be attacked at the time of discouragement yesterday's failures And let's own up to them we've got a myriad of those especially through here they do not disqualify you from a new day in God. A new breath of God coming to you. A new breath of the Spirit coming to you. Which will impact you physically, spiritually, mentally, the whole person. Into the New Testament, Acts 1 and 2, very briefly. John 20, we had the resurrection of Jesus. This amazing moment. Then in John 21, the appearance with Jesus and the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. What a moment. And then, of course, we have in Acts 1, the beginning of Jesus spending these 40 days teaching on the kingdom of God. And their hearts must have been really encouraged. Jesus is now with us. And then they found out that he's not going to be there. He's gone. And they're back on their own again for 10 days in the upper room. Can you imagine? Put all this together, if you travel that journey, they must have been confused. They must have been disappointed in some ways. We had hoped that he was going to remain with us. Now he's it, but he's gone. He's told us we're going to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the end of the earth. But how come we look at our lives? We're a bunch of failures. We've all turned away from God. We've all denied Jesus. We don't have understanding. None of us has been educated in these things. We don't have the ability. How on earth are we going to do what Jesus said we, we, we should be doing? And they must have been confused. Wouldn't you have been? I certainly would be. Don't let your hearts be ruled by what you see and feel but be ruled by the promises of God. That's the clue. And so when we put these two things together, and you look at other parts of it, there were lots of times when they were discouraged. You've been there, I've been there. When we feel like, what's the point of carrying on? I just don't have it. I don't have the strength, the ability to do anything more. And God says, great, that's exactly where I wanted you to be. Because there's a new day coming. It's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit. And that spirit of God can live in you. Not only live in you, but be rivers of living water that flow out of you. It's by the promises of God. And let me read some of them from the Old Testament through into the New Testament. I will put my spirit on you and you will live. That is the promise of God. And although people are saying, well, these promises were so long ago. They're not relevant today. If you look down around the world today, there are amazing things taking place. 110 million, at least, born-again believers in China. How can God be out of date when you have a people under huge pressure and persecution coming alive and being willing to die for God, laying their lives down? How can God be unreal when you see this? Are they stupid One person, two, but over 110 million. It doesn't make sense. Except that God is real and he's doing this work today. Iran Iran seems a hopeless case. Do you know up to 2,000 Iranians are coming to Jesus every day? God is out of date? Come on. The same spirit that lived in Jesus... The raised his from the dead can live in you and can live in me. Isn't that astonishing? I will put my spirit in you and you will live. Isaiah paints another picture. When the spirit is poured out, a desert becomes a watered garden. Just picture that. What a fantastic change. This is not just pictures. This is reality. This is life being changed. This is you and me. Isaiah 44, verse 3. I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground, and I will pour out my spirit on your offspring And my blessing on your descendants. This verse has been used down through the centuries in a remarkable way. 1949 to 1952 in the Isle of Lewis. Two ladies. And this is what I love. You see, it's not just a young person's thing. Peggy and Christine were 84 and 82. They only spoke Gaelic. One was blind, the other was crippled in arthritis. What good are they? God must have been laughing. I've got a plan and purpose for them. And they started to pray, and they started to trust God, and respectively they believed that God was going to do a new day, a miracle amongst the people. And they gave him this verse. I will pour out water on the dry ground. You see, that was spoken to Isaiah between seven hundred and forty and six hundred and eighty BC. So we're talking about there between nineteen forty-nine, about what, two thousand seven hundred years, the promise is still valid. Nothing's changed. And revival came on the Isle of Lewis. Isaiah 58 says this, you will be like a well-watered garden, like the spring whose waters never fail. Isn't that amazing? Church, this is, what, this is God's promise for us. During this week of prayer, I've had a very clear idea. I feel as if there's a curse been placed on this church over the last three years, that it will never change. It will never grow and it will never experience the reviving of the Spirit of God. And this week I know that curse has been broken. Yes. Yes. It's been broken. I will pour out upon you, upon me, rivers of living water. Nothing's changed. The heart of God is bursting. This church is important, along with all the other churches, to the purposes of God. But we have no excuse. When that curse is broken, we can't replay, well, you don't know the difficulties we've had over the years. That you cannot fall back on that anymore is up to you and is up to me to allow the Spirit of God to do something fresh and new in you and in me. The two mega promises obviously are always receiving a new heart. And receiving a new spirit. And what I love about the Word of God, there's no pre qualifications needed. They're not saying, Die, come on, you've got to accept this standard, you've got to come this, you've got to change in this area, that area, and then you may qualify for the next work of move of God in your life. That is nonsense. He's saying, Just come, just give me your heart. I'll take care of the mess, but don't hide it. Give it to me. Don't shield it. Don't pretend it's not there. We've all got issues. Bring them and allow God to do a miracle. Where do we go from here this morning? The danger, there is a danger for you and me, is that when we talk about a new day in the Spirit, we look back in our lives and say, I'd like to have that done again. I'd like to have this. Yes, that was good. God, can you bring that back again? Because I really enjoyed that part. (laughs) That was a great moment. And we can look back in here. It was in this place, way over 40 years ago, and I was baptized in the spirit and spoke in tongues, over 40 years in this place. God's not changed. There's a moment when we've been overwhelmed by the Spirit. There have been moments of intimacy in the presence of God. There have been moments when there's been physical healing, spiritual healing. Nothing has changed. God hasn't changed. How do we handle it then? Nobody is putting pressure on anybody. Let's put that to one side. This is about the promise of God. This is about you and God. It's about me and God. It's about this church and God. If God wants to reproduce something that I received yesterday or was part of, that's fine. But I'm not dependent on it. I'm not relying on it. This is a new day for God to do a new thing in me personally. So how do I... I'll tell you how I handle it this morning. And I don't know whether you want to handle it the same way. If God wants to repeat that, that's fine. I'm willing and ready. But there's one prayer that I have on my heart. Lord, I want today to count for your tomorrow in my life. I want something to happen today that's going to affect my tomorrow. That's my prayer. That's the moment. And that's where I'm at. Lord, I want today to count for your tomorrow in my life. I'm not after performance. I'm after the presence of God and the power of the Spirit of God transforming me by the truth of the Word of God. That's what I want. And that's what's available. In a moment, we're going to sing a song band can come up. It's called Just One Touch of the King. Changes everything. A number of years ago, Wilmer and I were speaking at a conference in North Thailand to people from China who come out of China, <coughs> who are church planting in China. And we took this theme For the conference, just one touch of the king changes everything. In the last week or so, that came back to me. And this song is so important. But I want to speak prophetically before you reach out and ask God to do a new thing. I think there are a few things that God wants to clear in your life and in mine. When the word of God to Haggai came, it said this you've been so concerned building your own life and your own homes the work of God has taken the back page a back belt. that changes that might apply to you it certainly applies in some measure to me another very clear word that I came through was this, that there's the work of God, the Spirit of God, you've all experienced it in different ways and yet you've built a dam to keep that and the fresh flowing of the Spirit of God has ceased and you've been living out of this water in this dam and that water in the dam has become stale and so has your life. And this day, there's a breaking out of the fresh flow of the river of God from that down and it's up to you and i to move afresh into that there are physical issues there are people here with physical issues whether they're knees and backs or whatever it might be headaches we're trusting god today for a new day there's oil we pray with people and anoint Because this is a day that God has made and we're trusting God. There are those here this morning, I think this came through very clearly to me two days ago. Anxiety, so anxious, so fearful, is becoming a pressure to you. And this morning God wants to touch you and to release that with a new, fresh influence of the Spirit of God into that area. (coughs) When I look at three years here, church, we've come through winter. I think that's fair to say. But I think we're entering spring. We're not into summer and harvest yet. That's a good theme to to teach through from winter to spring to summer to harvest we're not there yet but we're out we're coming out of winter and we're coming into spring and hosea 6 verse 3 said that's the beginning of a new season where the soil begins to warm and and becomes fresh and something can grow and that's the season we're at and as you and as i this morning lay my lives before god one touch of the king i'm asking god to do that We'd love to pray with you. Pray with a neighbor. Pray with your friend. Pray with your house group leader. Pray with an elder. Pray with whoever you want. But Lord, I want this day to count for your tomorrow. Amen? Amen. One touch of the king changes what? Everything.